We come from the direction of trust and love, from the history of eternity everywhere. Here you are, here I am. We come from that direction through which your current breath and mine are safe, alive. And then in the moment of space and time toward the future, we negotiate how much we trust and love anything, anyone, everything, everyone. And so in this early winter, January 2024, I simply express in my path as a human being, an older woman, an American, of four national heritages through my ancestors, the quality that I experience most deeply as a mystic, as a contemplative, is every breath from when I was shown my father when he was 16 years of age. How could that have happened? I can remember it. I've spoken of this many times. What I would call God showed me to come down here on the earth with a movement of grace from God directly from the heavens. There were other beings present. I would call them angels. And he brought me down over my father. My father was 15 to 16 years of age and sitting on the land directly above his parents' house on West 6th Street in Corning, New York, a white farmhouse which still stands with an old red barn garage behind it. And he was up just above the yard in the trees where he liked to go and hike up into the hills there and he would hunt and simply hike. He, he was a great mystic himself, I would say. In the reverie of ecstasy, the smell of pine needles and the little turning cues of the seeds of maple trees. These beauties which he taught me all of his life. So that they are a blessing all of my life. And may they be for all of yours, wherever you are, whomever you are. And so there he was sitting, his knees apart, feet on the ground, arms on his thighs and knees. He was very athletic. He was a extraordinary athlete track and field, football, a little bit of baseball, and then a coach, and then a father who taught his children. So he was simply there looking down, looking down the hill, through the trees, toward the yard, toward his home. And an experience was expressed to me of whether I was willing for my father to be my father. And so in that trust and love, in which I realized God wasn't asking me, and he wasn't ordering me, and he wasn't showing me, it was really 
Betsy, here you are with your father and me. Here we are. Here we are, God, and you, daughter of mine, with a son of mine who will be your father. Here we are in trust and love. So each one of us is equally conceived in dignity to be a human being. Each one of us can pray and practice to have the receptive humility to be ordinary. Thank you for the coffee. Thank you for the styrofoam cup, the paper cup, the plastic cup, the fine porcelain cup. Thank you for slaking the thirst of the universe which exists in the cells of my incarnation with your care for everything that has ever been, all beings who will ever be. And we, us, you and I, you and me, here taking this warm drink or cool drink together. What happens when we live from trust and love is that the mystery is ever-present yet it is the void filled with the very heart and soul of God. Why would I ever leave that? Why would I ever leave that? So many people ask me to leave it. Won't you hate my wife? You know, I really, you know, my husband is so difficult. You know, that animal, I just don't like that animal. I don't like that country. I don't like Texas. I don't like New York. I don't like Russia. I'm like, what are we talking about? How do we remember home everywhere? in everything and everyone, always. When we do this, the heart of hearts opens within us because the, the jewel, the crest jewel of discrimination, it's called in certain forms of Eastern South Asian thought, the crest jewel of discrimination comes forward the soul, the heart, and mind and life are safely able to contain the pearl, the jewel. And the mystery expresses itself in you and in me. And who we were in heaven has a safe moment in one of us. And if we are so blessed and fortunate, in two or more who are gathered in the name of Someone who practiced this, Jesus, Latsu, Muhammad's mother. And there is a place where we realize for a second, oh, there's something beyond my next breath. But rather than separating out of the trust and love to find a personal tantrum, we allow the mystery to express and realize itself so that the gift of blessing is present. And you and I then know what to do to embody heaven on earth. And that is always one's path, everywhere and always. What occurs when we live from this place 
is every being we meet is part of that weaving. And our place in trust and love is to represent that thread. Every creature is part of that. And our place is to recognize the squirrel, the songbird, the domestic pet, the ranchers or farmers working animal, the cow, the horse, the goat, the sheep, the chicken, and then the husbanding of that animal, the caretaking, as they plow the fields, or bring the buttermilk, or are utilized for meat. The caretaking of this requires tremendous humility and disciplined mercy. This extends also to creation. The trees and the plants the elements of fire and air and earth and water. How do we care for them on this Gaia, this Mother Earth under Father Sky? So as we apply trust and mercy from Jade to Mount Everest, from the seashells of all of our ocean shores, how do we orchestrate the shell of our own life, the clothing, the housing, the manner of cooking, the possessions we caretake and represent. So that our life is not a weapon, but our life is more like the seashell. Oh, it is so nice to meet you. And that we don't utilize the material plane as a wall of warfare but more as a threshold of discovery. Come in. Or if you're going to fight, leave it at the door. Don't come in here. I'm not coming out there and fighting with you. As for me, I shall be tending the Lord here in my heart of hearts, in my incarnation, in my home. I shall be praying for you to tend the Lord also until you realize to please put the weapons down and embrace his trust and love, her trust and love, that great one's trust and love in everyone and everything, everywhere. What occurs when we approach this direction is we transform into an adequate maturity in this year of 2024 to realize it is time for what the Hopi call the great peace and the Iroquois, Haudenosaunee, and other groups, parts of the Southern Zulu of Africa, parts of the Maori, parts of the Zuni and Pueblo peoples. We begin to realize that we've been so afraid that it could not possibly be real, that we would fight about it with heaven, with each other, within ourselves, with everyone else. In Islam, in the Quran, this is called the jihad, the interior fight until we allow God. 
and represent God equally for all men and women. Muhammad put his weapons down and sought and tried to embody heaven. It's time for us to do this all over the earth. Then there's a quality where <clears throat> when we turn to the past, we realize that we have to allow the great sorrow of our losses to, to let go now. If in this breath we are well enough to be alive and thriving in some manner of just the goodness of life, then the past has led us to the great peace. And no argument is worthy of attention. Rather, the direction from eternity historically and eternity coming to meet us from the future is here now. And in the next breath, we can safely breathe and embody in ourselves the mystery beyond all weapons. So present in my father that day on West 6th Street at Spencer Hill in Corning, New York. Oh, on this day. When we turn to the past, we've met another human being. We tend to do all right for a bit. So nice to meet you, nice to meet you. And then one person decides that there's a separation that can't be, to me, can't be broken into oneness. No, this separation is too extreme. I cannot open it up like breaking open a loaf of bread. I cannot mix the wheat and water. I cannot mix the flour and leavening. I just can't do it. I won't. And so we need a critical mass of people saying, I will, thy will be done. We will. Of course we'd like the great peace. And then the tantrum and other people saying, you're just not enough. You wear the wrong color. You eat the wrong kind of bread. Your God is not my God. The critical mass has us move beyond that as if we were listening to children yelling about, I don't want to go back to school. I still want to play in the summertime. And a grandmother says, don't we want to put our shoes on and go in and learn how to read a little bit more deeply? Or sit beside the other children and find our way in the generation a little more heartfully. Learned how to work with figures in mathematics and science for the sake of understanding the natural world. Are we ready, grandson, granddaughter? And at a certain point, the elder shepherds the youth to go from eternity historically toward eternity in prayer and practice. And that is what I am saying here on this evening. It's time. Famously, Twyla Nitsch, the great Oneida Seneca elder in Scottish, she was also of Scottish Caucasian origin, she said, most people ask the question <clears throat> of where and how and the material plane this, what about this? And she said, actually, most of our decisions are more related to time. And she said, when we are moving in any direction of consciousness, the direction of question is now or not now. Now. 
So I would say now, you would always know everywhere and always what to do beyond weapons. Every human being on the earth. A number of my elder teachers from tribes all over the world told me this would happen in my lifetime. It is my experience that it has happened. Now, how shall we do this? How shall we be this? How shall we embody this? So we turn from the direction of life thus far to the next breath. Ah, here we are in trust and love. Let us see how shall the next breath embody trust and love. So that I pray and practice this for you and you and you and for every single human being. And then I would like us to add two components and then just take the winter retreat out into our lives. The two components are this. The first one is we justify so often who we are based on what's been harmful or hurtful. And there's a rather adorable, maddening experience that happens with many children where they fall down or they nick their knee or their finger or their elbow. And if they're hurt and it's cut a little bit and they, they're, they're scared or it's a surprise to them, they come and say, you know, ow, owie, look. And we say, oh, look, and we clean the cut and we bandage the cut if it's needed. But many children learn to say, oh, and there's almost nothing there. And they come and they acquire tremendous attention for the little owie. I've seen family members of various families I've known use a handful of bandages. Here's a Band-Aid for this finger, and here's another one for that owie. Here's one with this cartoon figure or this beautiful daisy on the bandage. And the child uses up, you know, a quarter of the box of the Band-Aids. And the grandfather walks in and says, you're fine, let me see. And the child thinks, he laughs and says, yeah, I'm, I'm fine, Grandpa. Or, and he's not shaming the child. I don't mean it in a way where he's empowering, I'm the powerful grandfather and you're not hurt. It's more he's going, come on, buddy, let's go fishing. That grandfather would often be the first one to come running, carrying the grandchild forward if the injury were needing attention. And the grandfather might say, oh, there's not a scar here, honey. There's just, you know, it hurt a little bit for a minute. You okay? The child goes, no. He goes, well, then we'll wait 10 minutes. Let's go make some hot chocolate, and then we'll, then we'll go fishing. So what we've lost our way in is we like to fall and then blame each other. I fell, and you fell, and I'm such a victim of how you fell. And you're never going to be a victim of how I felt because I'm going to have power over you and then I'm going to justify to you forever why you should take care of me because of how you fell so that I misuse everything about my next breath. I go, it's just, it's just a tragedy, actually, that we are so ridiculously foolish. I would call this evil. This is actually a separation from the goodness of your next breath. So if someone tells me, well, you know, you wouldn't believe what happened to my family or me or my people or my nation or my race, I go, I would probably believe it. But how do we go forward and honor the ancestors of all of us and find our way to remembering and becoming and being who we are 
you, one another, and myself. So if we take a single person, they can stand and they go through what the work that's often called processing. Working on the temporal body is your physical body, the etheric part of you, like the tree bark right around you, then your emotions, then your aura and chakras, which are gorgeous and complicated. And you can you say they have about 144,000 layers altogether. Then your mental body, the lower mental body and the higher mental body, and your causal body. And all of those were conceived and born with you. And just like the leaf of the maple tree that falls, when your body falls to the earth, or is placed in the ocean, or the grave, or the crematorium, all of those bodies will be gone. And the great soul who was conceived and born to remember heaven through those bodies will be recapitulating, let's see, what did I do with every breath I had in that gorgeous shell that was like a maple tree of Bill Hins, like a maple tree high on Spencer Hill. When the maple tree fell that was Bill Hinn, then, then what happened? I go, I remember, I remember taking my father into the light of heaven the night, the night of his death. right up out of the lake, my father. No bullets, no wounds, no guns, no hatred, no person who was his enemy, nothing he did wrong, not 18 million karmas and scars and traumas of what he went through or caused everybody to go through. Nope, he went into that place like a songbird singing the praises of the Lord. That is my father. There's nothing anyone could do to ever take that away from me. You know, because nobody could take that away from who my father is. Right? And your father is that too. If you would just pray and practice. So for every person in every direction of our earth, who's carrying guns and grenades and hatred and fighting. Shame on you. Get up. Every boy and man and girl and woman and person you face comes from heaven. It's supposed to be shepherded by you and me from heaven to heaven, period. And when we pray and breathe, and practice in love and trust from the great soul, the late Thich Nhat Hanh, to my father. We know exactly what to do. And then we are to be this, breathe this, embody this, practice this, so that this, our path, brings the great mystery of God's heart opening and expressing itself to us and it's time for that on the earth. The second point I want to add is the construct, not only of the trees and flowers and plants and of the elements, fire, air, earth, water, but of the animals. You know, at the manger there were animals. At the 
side of the birth of the baby Jesus, we know there were animals. In the story of the Buddha, we know there were animals. Beside his mother as he was born, his aunt and his father as they raised him, his horse Karnataka as he, Prince Siddhartha, rode out into the kingdom, and then as he left the palace to go off to become the student who became the Buddha, his horse was there. We have many saints where we talk about the animals around them. And I feel that we have a sophistication in our culture that has no understanding of how much the animals know. There are tribal leaders I've worked with where they will talk to me about the knowledge they felt was present in animals. We'll have native people who will use totems of an owl feather or an eagle wing and praying that the creator, God, the cosmos, bless us as the eagle is blessed or the owl is blessed or the deer, or the trout, the salmon. In parts of British and lore, especially in Ireland and Wales, parts of Scotland, there's talk of the salmon of knowledge and wise figures who would be studying for sort of the priesthood and the Celtic traditions is guiding people with ceremonies and also just the study of philosophical wisdom of life would turn to the idea that the salmon had great intelligence. And so for a special wedding or the birth of a, of a child, unexpectedly when a couple hadn't been able to have a child for a long time and a child would come, a person dedicated to wisdom might catch a salmon and carry it to the family. Here, this is for the couple to be nourished by this being whose life has gone back into the universe, whose incarnation now is a blessing to this new mother and father. So I note that in much of the work I do in prayer and practice for humankind, there have always been animals beside me, wild, domestic, and I am certain that we would not be speaking tonight I wouldn't have lived through the most recent illness I underwent or several others where animals were present beside me. It was so deeply tangible to me, their longing that the human race mature and shepherd the animals. We have misconstrued in our vanity that the animals were given to us too treat as objects, but that's not correct. That's, an, that's a laziness or a, a lack of understanding and care on the part of the human being. Just as the tree of life and the quadrants of fire, air, earth, and water are our home, the animals are our, our holy family beside the great forests and the meadows of flowers. And so they understand the mystery of God's heart being expressed. 
Maybe they are the ones through whom it will be translated to us that we might find heart-to-heart home in one another in trust and love.